Good morning, church. It's uh, good to see you again. Man, uh, last Sunday was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Wow. I wanted to thank you all for such an incredible Easter Sunday. Um, it was uh, an incredible time of celebration, a celebration of a risen king, celebration of, of new life through, through baptism, celebration through uh, an incredible feast, right? I mean, that was, that was fantastic. Overheard at the picnic, somebody said, every church needs a Tony Escobedo. That's what I heard. I'm not, I'm not lying. Uh, so so that, was, that was awesome, and, and the hospitality that, that you showed, and, and um, just being welcoming, and seeing us break all the fire codes in here by having way too many people. We probably should have taken that sign above the door down. Um, but we had a, just a fantastic Sunday. I wanted to thank you guys. Um, we are, uh, if you're newer, in a series called uh, Forged by Grace, a church life series called Forged uh, by, by Grace. And we've been looking at the characteristics of, of the church. And one of the reasons we're, we're doing that is because uh, one of the best ways to get to know who Jesus is and the people that Jesus has called us to be is to look at what Jesus said uh, the church is supposed to be, right? What he says in his word. The truth is, the world desperately needs to see the church as Jesus intended it to be. One of the reasons, just one, but a critical, important, significant one, one of the reasons that people stay away from church is, is because the church so often misrepresents Jesus. So often misrepresents Jesus. Now, there are other reasons too, but, but we need to take responsibility for when we are not a people of love, joy, and peace. When our own interests, our own selfishness, our own sin, or our, our, our own desire for power through politics or, or whatever overshadow the fruit of the Spirit, and then no, the world can't see the fruit of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, so often that gets covered up when churches become more concerned about themselves. Now, the leaders here at this church, the elders and I, a few other leaders, have been eval we've been in a season of evaluating our church and how we're doing, you know? We uh, want to make sure that we're loving God, loving each other, loving our neighbors, and being faithful and all that. And we see that we can do and should do a much better job at loving our neighbors. We need to be honest about that, pray about that, and ask the Spirit how, you know, what do you want to do in us and through, through us. And so we've been looking at that in this teaching series. And connected to that is to make sure that, that we are loving each other better. To, to be the community, to be the new city, to be the people of, of God who are, are a living testimony to the love and the truth of Jesus. Living it out in both word and deed, not just talking about it, and not just saying all you other people should be doing this, but we're living out the love and the truth of Jesus in both word and deed. God uses that to lovingly draw people into his family. And I think we see here in Acts a good picture of what that looks like. Like in uh, Acts chapter 2 where it says that, among other things, uh, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, when it talks about fellowship here, it's, it's, 
it's about so much more than just punch and cookies and, and potlucks, okay? It's got a much deeper significance and meaning to that. And, and I think um, a, a word that we today probably understand a little bit better is the word community. The gospel has created us to be and calls us into spiritual community. We're not called into, you know, performing some religious song and dance and going through the motions to feel better about ourselves. He calls us into spiritual community. This is what the good news of Jesus does. When we hear it, when we know it, when we meditate on it, when we think about it, when we internalize it, the gospel sends you deeper into the heart of God, deeper into serving the world and our neighbors, but it also sends you deeper into relationships with other people who are following Christ. There, there's, there's an intense camaraderie that gets built that way. So, I want to draw out five principles of spiritual community. Eventually, just so you know, uh, when, when we go through uh, our messages here, it is not my desire to just give you good advice. It's not my to, desire to just give you good principles. All of that is nothing without who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so it's all, it's, it all depends on the gospel. And we're going to get there, but let's walk through some of the implications and what this looks like so we know how this can play out in our, in our lives and today, here, and now as we walk out the doors. First of all, spiritual community, one first principle I want to talk about, this spiritual community is, is badly needed. It is critically needed. Some people like to convince themselves that they don't need it. Our passage, in our passage that, that was read, something incredibly like crazy is happening in Paul's life. Before this, you know what, Paul was his own boss. I mean, he makes his plans and he goes out on his mission, but then God reveals to Paul uh, that, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer and that he's going to experience one crushing problem after another. And here he starts having lots of time. When, when that hits him, he begins to spend a lot of time with his friends and deep discussions and eating together and weeping and, and arguing with each other in love and encouraging each other and sharpening each other. He immerses himself in community. To need friends like that and to want friends like that is not a sign of weakness. It is not a sign of spiritual immaturity. It is a sign of maturity. In Genesis 2, we read that Adam and Eve and God were living in, in perfect community, and God made us in a way that, that we would not be complete without spiritual community. You cannot even enjoy paradise without community. You can't experience perfect joy without community. Adam needed that, and that's why God created Eve. If, if you are lonely... If you are, are longing for friends, you are not dysfunctional. You're normal. You're, you're lonely because, uh, as we said before, you're lonely because God did not make you a tree or a rock, right? You are wired to need community. You're created to need it. Maybe you want friends, but, but you don't have them. And, and that could be for several reasons. Maybe you're surrounded by N nobody but unloving people, 
I doubt that's the case, but it could be possible that everyone around you is unloving and so you can't have any friends. Maybe there's another chance for some people it's possible that you value yourself more than others, and here's what I mean. Um, Maybe you get frustrated that you can't break into a, a particular circle of friends while ignoring the people God surrounded you with. But they're not the ones that you want to hang out with. You want to hang out with this circle of people. Everyone desires community, including the people you're ignoring to get into this other circle of friends. Right? So needing friends, it is good, it is godly. And maybe others of you, you know what, maybe you don't long for this biblical community. Maybe, maybe because, you know, living in San Diego, it's such a transient community. Everybody's from somewhere else and moving on to someplace else. You don't want to go through it again. It hurts too much to say goodbye. Or, or maybe, you know what, you're just, you're slammed as it is, and so it, it just takes too much time, or people let you down, or you might not even be aware of why you're trying to avoid community or that you're doing that. But listen, the less you want friends, the less you want biblical community, the less human you are, right? The less you are what you were created to be. So don't stop longing for friends. Let yourself need people. When you are in trouble, it's too late, right? If you don't, have, you don't have good friends, you're more concerned about yourself, whatever, no friend, you're in trouble, it's too late. Where are my friends? You know what? People do not walk around saying, oxygen is awesome. What in the world would I do without it? I love air. People don't walk around doing that, right? The only time you really value oxygen like you should is when you're choking, Then it's too late. So easy to take it for granted, right? Same with community. It's easy to take it for granted until life starts to choke you out, and then it's too late. Where is everyone? Second, spiritual community is a gift. It is a gift. When Paul gets to Tyre, uh, he gets to a church that he did not plant, that he did not start, he didn't know anybody there, none of those Christians ever met him before, and yet these people who are strangers to him at this point are compelled to get involved with his life, to speak into his life and say, Paul, we actually think you're wrong and that you should not go to Jerusalem. And what's amazing is that Paul lets them. He doesn't say, how dare you? Who do you think you are? You don't even know me, right? They didn't even know each other, but he's allowing them to speak into his life because there is a bond there, right? Where they care about each other. There's a special bond between Christians People you don't have anything in common with. But if you share Jesus Christ, uh, you have an automatic bond. What makes friends friends is not just focusing on, on each other, but focusing on something else that you have in common. It's not so much, do you love me, but do you love what I love? Friends aren't made out of nothing. There has to be a common passion. Now look at what Paul has here 
when he says in verse 36, he knelt down and prayed with the elders of the church. This right here, I think, pictures this beautifully. If you're praying before God with others, it brings you together in amazing ways. When that happens, it creates this, this bond of friendship. And for some reason, my notes say it creates a bong of friendship. I'm not sure why. I'm not even lying. It says bong of friendship. That's a different sermon. So, My point is, is if you have a common love, if you have a common loyalty to King Jesus, you have potential for incredibly strong friendships. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, maintain the unity of the Spirit. He does not say establish unity. It's already been established. The unity is there when two people have the same love and loyalty to Jesus. You become friends regardless of your differences. God's called us to be a diverse community. And you show up here on a Sunday morning, you're like, I don't know if I can connect here. No one else is like me. If that's you, if you feel like no one else is like you, you know what that means? We need you, right? We absolutely need you. It's Jesus that binds our hearts together anyway. Now, look, I look at, at, at so many of you that, that I've met years ago. We are so different from each other, Right? very different. The way we dress, the way we talk, we all belong to some group or, or another, but we're brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what political party you're a part of or not a part of, what war you fought in and in what era, if you're a professional or homeless or black or white or Asian or Latino, if you have experienced the grace of Jesus, you not only get along with people you never would have gotten along with before, but you love them. The stronger your friendship is with God, the more meaningful your friendship. One reason people are attracted uh, to some people is because they have this deep passion for God, a deep appreciation for who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and is doing and has promised to do. And you could just see it. My, my question for you is, is, is that alive in you right now? Has the gospel inspired you to be in communion with God and, and, and to listen to him through, through his, his word? If you make friendship with God more important than friendship with people, people will want to be near you. It might not be the click that you want to break into for self-esteem or whatever and then resent later when we can't, but there are possibilities in the Christian church for friendship like no other place. You start to love people you never would have wanted or imagined that you'd spend time with. And then spiritual community is, is created. Friendships aren't just discovered, they're made. The, the gospel, 
who Jesus is and what he has done and, and you know, the hostility uh, uh, among people being taken upon Jesus, nailed to the cross to make us one with God and with each other. I mean, that gives us the raw materials. And then in response to that, we have a responsibility uh, to, to cultivate community. How do you do that? Some people just expect for a church ministry or something to take care of, of that. You know what? I don't have as many friends as I'd like. The church should really do something about that. Right? You don't need a church ministry to live in biblical community and have, and have spiritual friendships. It helps. I'm nothing against that. But what I'm saying is it doesn't hinge upon that. When Acts 2 says that they devoted themselves to, to fellowship, the word is koinonia, it means to share. If you want spiritual friendships, God designed it to work when you share. Let me just throw out a list of, a quick list of, of things that spiritual friends share. First of all, faith, Right? In Acts, Paul and the other Christians are, are constantly sharing their faith. They're constantly praying together and discussing the truth about how it relates to life. The author of Hebrews says this, Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So my encouragement to you is to not get distracted by your frustration, how others aren't doing that for you. You, you take the initiative and invite brothers and sisters uh, to ask you tough questions about how you are doing. That's going to require some vulnerability. And then there's hospitality. As Paul and his friends travel, they're staying with people that, that housed them and fed them and, and showing hospitality to, to one another. It's one of the keys to developing lasting friendships. And then time. I mean, you look at Paul and Jesus, they made pr a priority to spend time with their friends. I'm telling you, every other kind of, of love can push itself on you. Family love is pushed by, you know, our parents, patriotic love pushed by our, con our country, uh, romantic love is pushed by our hormones or whatever, but no one forces friendship on you. You've got to be willing to make it a priority in the use of your time. Now, just side note, if you're sick, or there are other circumstances, you're, you're in a season that, that keeps you from experiencing that, it is natural for you to feel the emptiness of being disconnected. It is evidence of the true value of friendship the way that God designed it. And so we cry out in those seasons to the Holy Spirit to help us to endure, that he sustains us. And there's emotions. We see Paul and, and these disciples sharing their emotions. They're with his friends on the beach. I mean, just weeping and, and hugging each other because Paul told them, you're probably never going to see me again. And they know that Paul's probably going to die. I, they love each other. These dudes love each other. I, I am so incredibly grateful for the elders that I get to serve with. I mean, Matt Nix, Tom Wing, Josh Cass, and then, and then having, uh, when he's available, Brock, his school is, is crazy. Be praying for him. He's going to lose his mind here in a minute. But, um, but Brock, I mean, it, it's, and then crowded, I mean, the gospel DNA groups I, I've been in with Joey and, and Jerry, um, man, 
and uh, Shem and Tony, the, the brotherhood that is, that is there, um, I, I don't think I'd still be in ministry if it weren't for those guys. And there's a very genuine love that we have for each other. We meet every single Tuesday. We always check in with each other. How are you doing? How are you doing spiritually? How's your family? What's going on in your life? And that would never happen if we weren't willing to share our hearts with each other. I'd follow those dudes anywhere. And then there are decisions. We share decisions. One thing's interesting here. In verse 4 it says, And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But in the previous chapter, it says, now compelled by the Spirit, Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem. That's a little confusing, isn't it? Paul says, the Spirit told me. And they say, yeah, well, the Spirit told us too. In verse 12, they plead with him not to go, but he is resolved. And finally, they give up and they say, may the Lord's will be done. They did not say, hey, the Spirit told us that you should not go, and that is final. And Paul does not say, yeah, well, the Spirit told me to go, so shut up. Any view of the Spirit's work in your life that leaves out the process of, of friendship doesn't understand the, the power of Christian community or, or the ways of the Spirit. Paul doesn't say, mind your own business. I mean, even a Christian say that he hardly knows that are speaking into his life. Friends can confront each other while preserving the friendship. And they listen to each other and respect each other and help each other, invest in each other. Uh, even, when it's, even when it's painful, right? It is no secret that I need to be in better shape. Because round is not a good shape for me to be in. So I need to get in better shape. And Emil, my brother, cares about me. And we were hanging out one night, and I don't know if what ha he somehow talked me into joining his gym. I don't know if he put something in my beer or what, but <laughs> I said yes. And... Uh, Every day I go, I almost die. <laughs> I have a defibrillator in my bag. <laughs> now I'm beginning to wonder if Emil loves me at all. <laughs> but he does. He cares about me and my, my, my health. Uh, for me, it's not just a physical issue, it's a spiritual issue, and friends help each other out, you know? And then... then I was at the gym last week, and he brings two guys from his gym today to make sure I'm there tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., right? I think that's why he brought you guys. I don't know. But uh, it's, um, it's what we do for each other. Uh, it is holistic. It's, it's on multiple fronts. This is what, this is what uh, friendship is, is about. And you can, you can lovingly challenge each other. And then last one in this list, commitment. Throughout this section, here's what's awesome. Uh, this, throughout this section, there's this wonderful word. It's we. Who is we? Paul's going to Jerusalem to die. And Luke, the author, says, I'm going with you. 
we are going together. Friends, stand with you even when the bottom falls out. Even when it means suffering. It's one thing to be a friend when you are benefiting from the friendship. It's something when your need is being met. It's another when it means that you're sharing hardship with them. A real friend says, I'm with you, especially when things get tough. Luke says, we went to Jerusalem, knowing what he's getting into. And then, another principle about spiritual community is, is that it's forever. Again and again, Luke is showing Christians saying goodbye to each other, sorrowful, weeping, and embracing, and yet there is also a poise and a peace. Where does it come from? You know, when Jonathan Edwards was, was dying, he was away from his, his, his wife. It was in the late 1760s. And he dictated a letter to his wife through his daughter, Lucy. And he says, give my kindest love to my dear wife and tell her that the uncommon union that has so long existed between us has been of such a nature as I trust is spiritual and therefore will last forever. These these are two people who prayed with and for each other, and they had a common love and loyalty to Jesus. This works in marriages. This works in friendship. This works in church life. All forms of, of community. Community bound by our forever king is what makes friendships last forever. And then finally, and this is critical, all of this is just maybe good advice if we didn't get to this last section. Spiritual community is a pointer. It, it, it points us to the source of community. No other religion believes that friendship lasts. I mean, Eastern religions believe that when you die, you go into existence in this cosmic uh, that is cosmically impersonal. Secular religion believes that you just rot. Other religions believe in God, but don't believe in the Trinity, that you know, God existed forever, but he only began to have relationships when he created humankind. But the Christian God, the heart behind true community is triune. He has always lived in relationship. In Proverbs 8, you can see God and this one called wisdom rejoicing in one another as they delight in the work of their hands and, and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, all about community. And in community, true community, points us to the Trinity. It, it, community is the result of friendship within the Trinity, and its purpose is to bring us into the joy of that friendship. Life is all about community with God and with each other. But when Adam and Eve rejected God's friendship, the bottom fell out, and the result was catastrophic. A deadly cancer invaded all relationships with, with pride and shame. Adam and, and Eve hid from God and from one another. And, and rather than, than open sharing of, of their, their, their feelings and faith and faithfulness, they, they ma the masks went on and self-protection strategies like blame shifting and, and game playing started. And the cancer spread. In the next chapter, their son Cain murders his brother. And it goes on and on and on, and the cancer continues to spread. You look at the, you look at the news, 
at your, your own life. All of us have been affected. None of us have been true friends. All of us have failed. It might be easy for us to say, oh, that person failed me, that person failed that, without even looking at our own hearts. But there is one true friend. A friend who is closer than a brother. And in the fullness of time, that one friend came to us and he lived a life of perfect friendship. I mean, he shared absolutely everything with his friends. You know, his friends were always hurting him. His friends were always letting him down, yet he was constantly sharing with them. That's why the Gospels are so long. He ate with them and walked with them and talked with them and prayed with them and shared with them his deepest thoughts and desires. And he told him that he must go to Jerusalem and die. And they didn't get it. When he knew the time was near, he asked them to spend the night praying with him. They, they fell asleep. In his time of greatest need, they, they weren't there for him. When he was arrested, they ran. One of them betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Another denied that he even knew him. And yet he still called them friends. He didn't say, forget you then. He was not only willing to die with them, he was willing to die for them. He was beaten, mocked, spit on, nailed to a cross, and died alone. Even his father, with whom he delighted for all eternity, pulled away from him because he bore the cancer of our sin that destroyed friendship and community. He died alone for his friends so that sin and shame might be destroyed and that we could be restored to friendship with God and each other forever. And thank God on the third day, the Father raised him from the dead and the first thing Jesus did was go to his friends. These friends who bailed on him. And he went to them to give them a hope, to assure them that their sin is forgiven. He went to Peter, who denied even knowing him, and embraced him. He went to Thomas, who was filled with doubts, and showed him his, his wounds and let him touch him. He came to his friends in their time of greatest need to dry their tears and to give them meaning and purpose and a calling in life. The source of spiritual community that you long for is Jesus. So let me ask you this morning. Do you know Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, as your friend who will never leave you nor forsake you? He's right here, right now. Are you filled with guilt? He is here to assure you that your sin is forgiven. Are, are, are you depressed and filled with despair? He is here to give you hope. Are you floundering in a, in a sea of, of meaninglessness? He's here to give you a purpose and a calling worth dying for you. Are, are you aching with loneliness? He is here to be your friend. Are you feeling like junk? Are you feeling worthless? Are you feeling insignificant? Are you feeling like a loser? He is here to tell you, I delight in you and you are precious to me. Are you filled with fear? Fear of death, or, or maybe it's fear of life. And he is here to tell you, I will never, ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. 
So, how does God want you to respond to the good news of who Jesus is and the friend that he has been to you? How do you respond in gratitude to that? Not earning his friendship. You can, we can never do that. He already gave us his friendship out of pure grace. And so now we respond. It only makes sense to respond to be more of the person that God's called us to be. If you have a friendship that needs repair, go. My encouragement to you, my exhortation to you is to go and seek to be reconciled to that friend. Somebody come to mind right now? Who is it? I mean, don't call it out to me right now, but just, who is it? Some of you may have hard feelings toward a, a friend or a whole group of friends or, uh, uh, or, or family. My encouragement to you is, is make your relationship with Jesus the most important thing. Then you will have the strength to get rid of those hard feelings when you realize that Jesus was a friend to you when we weren't a friend to him. Some of you are married and you need to ask Jesus, make my spouse my best friend again. I, I don't know where you are this morning, what's going on in your, your life today. My, my question is, how does God want you to respond to who Jesus is and what he's done for you? He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And as you wrestle with how God wants you to respond, as you bang that out, he will be with you. He is for you. And because of him, you will experience the community that you long for and the community that we also desperately need. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you were a friend to us before we even thought about being a friend to you. Even when we didn't want to have anything to do with you, you pursued us. And by your grace, you gave us eyes to see how desperate we are for you, for Jesus, and the friendship that he gives to us. We live so much of our lives in denial, and we wonder why joy escapes us. God, I pray that, that you would give us uh, the courage to, to not be in denial anymore, and to realize that You are the most faithful friend who lived a perfect life for us and gave us credit for it and died the death that we deserved and gave us credit for that too. And you conquered death to give us eternal life with you so we can face whatever this world throws at us, including loneliness, God, I pray for our church. 
I pray that you would give us, because of Jesus, you'd give us a, a stronger love uh, for each other, that we would spur one another on toward good works, toward in, in mission and in, in glorifying you as we love our neighbors. Give us that strong sense of, of calling in community. God, we pray that in spite of all of our weakness, shortcomings, and sin, that, that we would be completely and totally dependent on you as we, as we serve you and share your love together with our, with our neighbors, the people that you put in our lives. God, I pray for the broken relationships represented in, in this room, the people who are just really going through it right now, and that this whole talk can be stirring up a lot, a lot of pain. So God, I pray that you comfort them and give them a confidence that can only come from you. Help them to trust you no matter what happens. And God, I pray if there's anybody here that has not trusted you, does not know you as their faithful, perfect friend, I, I pray this morning you give them eyes to see. And then give them the courage and, and the faith to follow you and know the peace of having you as their king. We pray that you'd be glorified through it all. We pray these things in your name.